The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called a twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As you can plainly see from the joyful Easter flowers that are adorning our sanctuary, we are continuing our celebration of Easter. Easter is not just a day, you know. It's a season in the church. It is, in fact, a week of weeks. It's 49 days leading us to Pentecost, on the 50th day. And in another sense, every Sunday throughout the entire church year is a little Easter, a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In our gospel reading this morning from John, we are returning to events of that first Easter day. Last week, we heard the account from Mark's gospel. So today, let's recall how John described that first Easter. We begin in the dark. It's early in the morning, and Mary Magdalene bravely came to the tomb in which the crucified body of Jesus had been laid. But the stone had been removed, and she assumed the worst, that his body had been stolen. She ran and found Peter and John and told them. They ran to the tomb to see for themselves, and all they saw was the linens that had been wrapped around Jesus' body. John believed, we aren't told about Peter's reaction, and they both went home. But Mary stayed, 
And as she wept, she looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels who asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And then she turned around and saw someone standing there, not knowing who it was. But when he said her name, she knew it was Jesus. She was the first person to see the risen Jesus. And Jesus made her the apostle to the apostles. He told her to go and tell them that you have seen me. And she did. Did they believe her? Again, we aren't told. But what we do know is that his followers were afraid on that same evening as we find them in today's reading. They are in a house and they have locked the doors for fear of the Jews. It is important, I think, to state the obvious. Jesus is Jewish, most of them are Jewish, and their fear is not of the Jewish people in general, but of the religious authorities in Jerusalem at that time. As followers of the crucified Jesus, they fear that they could be next. And what an assortment of people and emotions must have been there in that house. They had variously deserted Jesus, denied him, and watched him die at a distance or up close. Were they ashamed? Were they horrified? Some had seen the empty tomb and believed. Most must have been confused. Fear is in that room, and for some hope that it might be true. And then the risen Jesus appeared to them. Imagine their faces. And he said what they needed to hear, peace be with you. He showed them his scarred hands and his side. He showed them that the risen one is the crucified one. And then in what I believe is the most understated statement in the entire Bible, John writes, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Again, he said to them, peace be with you. And he added, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Who is Jesus in John? He is the sent one, the Son of God, whose origins are in the beginning as the word of God, in whom and through whom all things are made. The word becomes human in time, but the word comes from the depths of God's eternity on a divine mission to the whole world that God so loved to enlighten every human being. He is the savior of the world, and when he was lifted up on the cross, he drew all people to himself. When we read John, we need to think in vast and cosmic terms. Scholar and professor Dr. Sandra Schneider says that John is a cosmic drama being acted out in human history. It's a struggle to the death between God's love for the world and a personal evil agent who in John is called the devil or Satan or the ruler of this world who is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Satan's goal is the alienation of all of creation from God 
and the destruction of Jesus, who is the incarnation of God's eternal and infinite love for the world. Jesus is God's gift of God's self, poured out in love. Jesus is the presence of the living God, the Savior of the world. On the cross, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God gives his Son out of love for this world, and the world responds to the gift by killing him. Jesus said about himself, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That is Jesus as John describes him. Then what is sin in John? The nature of the sin of the world in John is the refusal to believe that God is infinite, self-giving love, offering eternal life. John's term for accepting God's self-gift of love is believing, believing that it is true, believing that it is true for me. Conversely, sin is unbelief, saying no to infinite love, saying it can't be true or real, it can't be for me. So back to today's reading, when Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, he is sending them out as emissaries of God's outpouring of infinite love. And when he breathed the Holy Spirit into them, the Spirit that hovered over the creation at the very beginning, the Spirit given to him in his baptism, he was creating something new of them, a community of love and reconciliation. John tells us it is the disciples who are in that locked house that Jesus is commissioning in this way. We may think of this scene as only involving the 12, but in John, disciples is a more inclusive term. The community in John's gospel includes Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles, women and men, the 12, married and single people, poor people, and wealthy householders. This is not just the 12, but the whole scraggly and beautiful church that is being spirit-breathed and sent out to be God's own presence of love in the world. And we should surely see ourselves in this number. And then Jesus says this, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Or does he say that? I confess that I have always been confused by this statement. If Jesus is sent to take away the sins of the world, what's this about retaining sins and refusing to forgive? Dr. Schneiders, whom I mentioned before, suggests another way of looking at the second part of that verse that's based on its original language. The first part, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them, stays the same. But the second part of that verse, usually translated, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Well, in that clause, the word sin does not actually appear in the original language. It has been assumed to be meant, but it isn't actually there. And the word for retain can also mean hold fast 
or embrace. So then it could read, whomever you hold fast, they are held fast. Or whomever you embrace, they are embraced. But one more thing, there is an ongoing, not a once and done nature to the grammar. So Dr. Schneider believes the meaning of Jesus' words is actually this. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And those whom you are holding, embracing, including in the ongoing life of the community, are indeed held fast in that community. And I invite you to consider that meaning as we look at what comes next. The Thomas story. After that first Easter evening, the Thomas missed. They told Thomas they had seen the Lord, and he flat out didn't believe them. He wanted the same chance they already had to see and to touch the wounds. He could not believe without that. It was too far-fetched, or maybe too much to hope for. But notice, he's still one of them. He is welcome in the house with them. They didn't critique his unbelief. He hasn't been shunned or excluded because he didn't believe like they did. Instead, they held on to him until he had his own encounter with Jesus, which he did a week later. His friends and Jesus held him fast through doubt into faith. And he came to that glorious place in his soul where he said to the risen Jesus, my Lord and my God. And he spread the good news of his Lord and God far and wide. To this day, Christians in the Kerala region of India call themselves St. Thomas Christians, tracing their faith back to the evangelism of our Thomas, who was held from doubt to faith. I would guess that most of us have beloved unbelievers in our lives. I do. This may cause sorrow or lack of understanding within us or between us. And don't we ourselves go through times when our faith is shaken, when God's infinite love is hard to see? So let's remember in John, if sin is unbelief, then it is to be forgiven. We are to forgive others and ourselves in these times rather than to judge or condemn or exclude. And then hold fast to those who are struggling, not let them go or let them be lost or abandoned. As one pastor said, I think that's what John wishes for all of us, to forgive each other, to hold on to each other, to embrace each other, especially when we struggle until we were, are caught up in the experience of the risen Christ. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, help us to be your resurrection community. Help us to hold on to each other while you continue to work within us. Lord, break through our locked doors until we see you and experience you 
and declare to you, my Lord and my God. In the name of Jesus, amen.